Good morning, everybody. And uh, happy Thanksgiving. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, except for that football game. It was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, we'll get over that. Oh. <laughs> we'll deal with it. And uh, uh, so glad you're, you're here, especially if you're a first-time guest. We're just thrilled uh, to have you here with us. Question for you. Anybody ever watch uh, Jimmy Fallon on The uh, Tonight Show? Yeah, you know, I think he's probably my favorite uh, tonight or uh, uh, late night uh, talk show host. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but on Friday nights he'll do uh, thank you notes. Uh, he'll do this segment. Anybody familiar with that? Yeah, okay. And I thought, you know, it's Thanksgiving weekend. And if you haven't seen it, I got a few here with me to uh, uh, show you what they're like. These are from Jimmy Fallon. Uh, he wrote these, and I thought that you might appreciate these uh, this uh, weekend. And I uh, got Mike Johnston over here. Uh, let's give Mike a hand. Mike, uh, can you give us some thank you note music? Thank you, airplane seat by the bathroom, for letting me pay $400 to live temporarily next to an outhouse. Anybody ever had that seat? Mike, you ever had that seat? Yeah, that's, that's no fun. Yeah. All right. Next one here. Thank you, hard taco shells, for surviving the journey from factory to supermarket to my plate and then breaking the moment I put something inside of you. That's why I do the taco salad, just crumble the chips. And uh, Mike, what about you? Mike does soft shell. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's one way. Thank you, new study that found that people don't, aren't naturally good at math. It's like I said, math is 50% hard work and 60% luck. I've, I've never been that lucky. Not that good at math. Yeah. All right. Uh, those are all from Jimmy Fallon. And I uh, got one more here. And somebody from our uh, team uh, wrote one, uh, wrote some about River Glen. And are uh, you guys game for this? Yeah. All right. Thank you, free donuts, for making us believe that somehow you are the daily bread we pray God gives us. All right. Those are our thank you notes. Let's thank Mike. Yeah, good job, Mike. Uh, very good. Yeah, all right, maybe you're wondering why thank you notes. Well, you know, it's Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, also, you know, we're finishing up this series called uh, Words. We've been talking about words and phrases that have the power to just revolutionize <clears throat> and uh, breathe new life into our uh, relationships. We started out, we talked about uh, the word no, you know, that little two-letter uh, word, powerful word. And we learned that sometimes we've got to say no to some things to be able to say yes to the best things. And then the week after that, we talked about I understand, which is powerful because it conveys th that we're listening and that we really care uh, for one another. And then last week, we learned that, that people closest to us need to regularly and specifically and unconditionally need to hear us say the words, I love you. And now today, we're going to talk about a phrase that's almost as powerful as uh, I love you, but it is just vastly underestimated and underutilized. And that's the, two, uh, that's the phrase, two words, thank you, thank you. Now, uh, recently, uh, I purchased this book. It's by a pastor named John Ortberg, and it's a terrific uh, book. I'm indebted to it for some of these insights I'm going to share with you today, especially chapter 15 that he entitles, The Soul Needs Gratitude. Ortberg talks about the power of saying thank you. And he challenges us to a two-day gratitude experiment. And in this two-day experiment, here's what he challenges us to do. He says, on day one, 
start every conversation uh, with a complaint. You know, you know, you can, everyone, you, you can complain about your health, you can complain about your job, you can complain about your money problems, complain about your family issues, you can complain that you don't have a spouse, you can complain that you do have a spouse. Just complain all day long, whatever you do. Then he says if you want to take it up a level, you can actually complain about the, the person that you're with and tell them you don't like their clothing, you know, you don't like their personality, or every person you can meet, you can begin the conversation and say, wow, you know, why are you so grumpy today? That's day one. Sounds like, sounds like fun, right? And then day two of the gratitude experiment, on day two, start every interaction with the words, thank you. You know, when you meet a friend, Say out loud, I want, to, I want to say thanks for being my friend. I'm so glad God put you in my life. You, you meet a loved one. Uh, just tell them, you know, it's been a while since I, I said this, but thanks for being part of my life. And then spend the whole day thinking about what you're grateful, genuinely thankful for. You're thankful for your health, thankful for your relationships, thankful for your job, for your church for your pastor, right, that consistently inspires you, you know, with messages, right? And then after this two-day experiment, Ortberg says, ask yourself, which day left you feeling more alive? Which day left you feeling more vibrant? Which day left you feeling closer to God? And, and here's my hunch, without even doing the experiment, I think we know the answer. It's not day one, it's day two. And then he says this line, I love uh, this line, the soul thrives on, on gratitude. One more time to let that sink in. The soul thrives on gratitude. One, once more, just to, just to get this. The soul thrives on gratitude. See, when we go through the day feeling grateful and expressing uh, gratitude, it doesn't just change our day. It changes our disposition. In fact, there's quite a bit of research on this, uh, medical research that shows that gratitude is good for your health. That, it, that, that people who are grateful have less stress. They've got a stronger immune system and just overall better health. Each weekend we've been uh, going back to uh, the Old Testament book of Proverbs and take a look at how Proverbs puts it in, in Proverbs 17, 22. It says, a cheerful disposition is good for your health. Doom and gloom leave you bone tired. In other words, gratitude makes you healthier. Complaining, ingratitude leaves you bone tired because the soul thrives on gratitude. But for my soul to thrive, I've got to understand what gratitude is. And gratitude is not just something that you feel, it's something that you do. It's not just something that you know, it's something that you say or something that you express. Jesus taught this important lesson in a very interesting story that's found in Luke chapter 17. Let's start in verse 11 where it, it says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee as he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now I want to pause just for a, a moment because I want you to notice two cultural points that were very unusual in Jesus' day. Number one, Notice it says Jesus walked, traveled close to Samaria. Now, uh, remember, Jesus was Jewish, and in this racially segregated culture, Jews and Samaritans didn't really associate with one another, and Jews hated Samaritans so much, they would actually go out of their way, they would add hours, they would add miles uh, to go the round, roundabout way to avoid Samaritan-populated areas. I think it's hard for us to really understand or imagine the depth of, of the hate between the Jews and Samaritans. I mean, this goes way beyond, you know, the Packer-Bear rivalry or, or a high school 
rivalry. It's more like the tension between Israel and Palestine right now. I mean, the level of hate between Jews and Samaritans was astronomical and intense. So the fact that Jesus traveled near Samaria goes way against the cultural norms. Second cultural point is that Jesus heals 10 men of leprosy. Leprosy was this dreaded disease. You know, leprosy would, would, would start by attacking the nervous system, but it would actually show up through the skin, and these tumors would grow and appear and grow and just cause severe deformities. And at the same time, leprosy would cause the loss of feeling, the loss of the sensation of pain. And so, you know, you could pour hot water on a leper, and they wouldn't even feel it. And oftentimes, they would lose their fingers and their toes and their hands and their and their feet, and it would lead to the loss of mental functioning and the loss of life. It was basically a death sentence back in, in Jesus' day. And lepers didn't just suffer physically. They suffered emotionally and relationally because they lived in complete isolation. People feared their disease was highly contagious. And so if anybody... If they got close to anybody, the law required them to shout, unclean, unclean, to warn people to stay away from them, which explains, which probably explains why these men, it says they stood at a distance and they shouted, Jesus, have pity on us. And so these, two, these 10 guys have got two strikes against them. They're Samaritans and they have leprosy. Now with that background information, let's pick up the story in verse 14. When Jesus saw them, he, he said, go show yourselves to the priest." And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So here's what happens. Jesus sends these ten lepers to the local priest because the local priest served as sort of a health inspector who had the power to declare someone healed and grant them permission to re-enter society. But as they set out to find the priest, suddenly and spontaneously, all 10 men were miraculously healed. But only one of them has the gratitude to think, hey, leprosy doesn't just go away. I've been healed, and I need to go back and say thank you to Jesus. And, and, and notice he didn't go back for, you know, a low-key, you know, fist bump, you know, hey, thanks, bro. No. He goes out of his way to find Jesus, throws himself at Jesus' feet, loudly praising God, and he says, thank you, thank you uh, to Jesus. Now, we can find the big idea of Jesus' teaching and the questions Jesus asked. We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? See, what Jesus wants us to understand is that gratitude is not just something that you feel, it's something that you do. It's not enough to feel thankful. We've got we've to express it. We've got to say it. Why? Because remember, our soul thrives on gratitude. And you know something? Way back then in Jesus' day, they took this very seriously, and they probably understood far better than we do that our soul thrives on, on, on gratitude because every devout Jew would pray what was called the 18 benedictions. I want you to take a look at this word, uh, benediction. And uh, notice the first four letters, benny. That actually, that, that actually comes from an old Latin word that means good. And diction means word or speech. And so a benediction is a good word. A word of gratitude. And so the Jewish people 
had these 18 benedictions that were really 18 prayers or 18 ways of saying thank you to God. Three times a day, morning, evening, and afternoon, they would stop and say the 18 benedictions, and they would thank God for his understanding, thank God for his forgiveness, thank God for his healing and for his deliverance and many other good things God had done for them. So these 18 benedictions served as a form of gratitude training for the Jewish people. And the Jewish people loved the 18 benedictions because, they, because their soul thrived on it. In fact, many uh, Jewish people still say the, these benedictions to this day. Now, now, do you know that the New Testament also teaches gratitude training for followers of Jesus? You know, take a look here at what Paul wrote to the Jesus followers in the city of Colossae. He says, be thankful, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, notice, it mentions singing. This is why we sing on the weekends. This is why we sing together, because it's gratitude training. And then we give thanks to God all week long. And then take a look at what Paul wrote the Jesus followers in the city of Thessalonica. He said, he said to the church, he said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, very, very often people ask the question, you know, well, yeah, I wonder what God's will is for my life. I, w- I wish I knew what, God, what God's will was for me. Well, this verse says, God's will for every person here is for you and I to be uh, grateful because God knows our soul thrives on gratitude. Now, now, because I want all of us to thrive, I want every one of us, including me, to start a gratitude training program today, and we can just continue this through uh, December. Here's what, I want, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want all of us uh, to do. Every day in, during the month of December, I want you to write down 10 things that you're thankful for. 10 things that you're thankful for every day without any repeats, okay? 10 new ones every uh, day. I want you to feel it. I want you to write it down, and as you have opportunity, maybe with a friend or a family member or a, or a coworker or whoever it is, to, to, to say it, say thank you, and express it. Now, 10 a day might sound like a lot, but, but here's what you'll discover. Here's what you will learn, that the more you practice the art of thankfulness, the more you have to be thankful for. I mean, it just, it's, just, it's just eye-opening, okay? And it just grows, and it just multiplies, and this will breathe life into our soul, and into our relationships. In fact, you can get started on this right now, all right? I know some of you maybe were raised and taught, you know, you don't write a list, you know, during church while, while, while the, you know, the pastor is giving a message, but I give you permission, okay? I think you can, I think you can write, write and listen to me at the same time. In fact, on the back side of your outline, we put some space under where it says 10 things that I'm thankful for. And you can go ahead right now and start writing your list of 10. And this next section, actually, it might help you. It might spark some ideas as you, as you listen to help you complete your list. I mentioned how uh, the, eight, the, the Jews practiced these 18 benedictions every day to train themselves to be grateful and focus their mind on, on God and the good in their life. Now, I don't have 18 benedictions for you to give you, okay, but I do have three. And I want to give you three words, and they all start with Benny, all right? We, let's call these the three Bennies. And remember, Benny is the old Latin word for good. And so here's three benefits to remind us of the good in our life, and it's going to help us complete our list of ten, and just, it's just going to help us to become more grateful as people. All right, the first Benny is benefit. In order to, in order to, 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 to be grateful, okay, you've got to recognize something in your life that's good, that's a gift, that's a 
benefit. Now, I know that might seem simple, but, but think back to our story. Only one out of ten lepers recognized how he benefited from the goodness of Jesus. It's just so easy for us to take benefits for granted. I mean, everyday things, common things like, you know, having a roof over our head and food on the table, family, if you have it, transportation, and just on and on. We've got all these benefits in our lives. And then we've got some amazing spiritual benefits from Jesus, like like, uh, uh, having a personal connection with God and having the comfort of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life and the confidence of knowing that our future home is in heaven. We've got all these amazing spiritual benefits and we could keep going and listing them and that's really the point. We should make it a habit to recognize them. That's why Psalm 103 says, praise the Lord, my soul. Look at this next part. And forget not all his benefits. Don't forget them. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. That's saying every day we should stop and consider the many good things, the many benefits that we've received. All right, that's the first Benny. Second Benny is to recognize that there is a benefactor. All right? Remember Benny is that old Latin word for good. And it's coupled here with the word factor which is related to the word factory. And so a benefactor is somebody who does good, somebody who produces good. And so this is about understanding that the good in our life isn't just you know, by luck or accident or coincidence. The good in your life is there because there's somebody who has goodwill for you. If we go back to our story, it says when he, when he saw he was healed, he came back, Praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. That's one of the ten. The other nine, we don't really know what they did. Maybe they, maybe they went and told their story to their family or friends. But we do know that only one man recognized Jesus as the benefactor and ran back to Jesus first to say thank you. Isn't it easy to do what those other nine did? I catch myself doing this. You know, I'll pray to God and I'll ask for something and, and sometimes I'll receive it. And I get so excited about the benefit, I forget about the benefactor. It's easy for me to get distracted and forget to thank God for the good in my life. That's why the Apostle James says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. He reminds us God is our ultimate benefactor who deserves our thanks. And isn't it easy to forget the good you know, that, that other people you know, bring to us, people that God put in our, in our lives, who, people who deserve our thanks. And sometimes it's the people who have such a constant presence in our life. You know, they're just, they're there so often, maybe family or friends or coworkers, and we stop seeing the good they bring to us. Every day, every day we should stop and consider the, the benefactors behind the good that we've received. And then finally, the third, Benny, we must see that we're the beneficiary Uh, A beneficiary receives good gifts, and this is really a posture of humility from seeing that we are are blessed people. Remember, just one of the ten Samaritan men saw himself as as a beneficiary and humbly went back uh, to Jesus, recognizing that he was the honored recipient of the goodness of, of Jesus. Maybe the other nine, maybe they felt like, you know, they deserved, you know, the healing. Maybe they felt entitled to it because they had suffered so much from leprosy. But what about you and me? What about our relationships? Our relationship with God? What about our relationship with, with other, other people? Do we see ourselves as beneficiaries 
from the good of others. And are we grateful to them? Or do we feel entitled? Every day we should stop and consider that we're the beneficiary of countless blessings. Because it's so easy to forget the three bennies in our lives. And most of us have played the part of the other nine lepers and at times failed or forgotten to say thank you when thank you was clearly deserved. Maybe we went through a difficult time and, and, and maybe, we, maybe we felt overwhelmed by circumstances and we just couldn't see past them to see the good in our life. Or, you know, maybe we started taking people for granted in our life that we shouldn't have. Or maybe we're fighting back anger or bitterness and we just haven't had the ability to go ahead and say thank you. For one reason or another, I think all of us would admit that we've missed out on opportunities to say thank you and thank you was clearly uh, deserved. And so what we need to do is to train ourselves to see the good, train ourselves to see these three bennies in our lives. And remember, when we train ourselves to be thankful, our soul thrives. And not only, not only um, are we grateful, um, when we're grateful, does it not only change us, it changes other people. It changes other people because we don't just feel it. We express it. All right, I want to share a story with you that I'll never forget. This story comes from a leadership consultant by the name of uh, Tim Sanders. Tim Sanders wrote a book called Saving the World at Work, where he talks about the importance of expressing gratitude to other people. He tells about a time he gave a lecture on this in Seattle to a group of managers, and he told the managers to tell their people what they, uh, what they appreciate about them because he says most people feel isolated and just beaten up by life. And then a few days after the lecture, Tim received an email from a manager that he calls Steve, and the subject line just said Xbox story. And uh, I just want to read a copy of the email to you. Steve wrote, Steve wrote this to him. He said, I have, nine, I have nine software engineers that work for me. We all work in the same building. But I've only seen one of them face-to-face in the last three months because we do everything over email and instant messenger, 10 feet away from each other, and we email each other. And he says something like, you know, you ever do that? But I decided to take seriously what you said and tell each of my employees two reasons I think they're so wonderful. So I went around to each cubicle and I walked in and put my arm around each one of my folks and I told them the two reasons I admired them and I thanked them because I do have a great team. A couple days later, one of my engineers, I'll call him Lenny, comes up to me with this poorly wrapped but well-intentioned gift. And it was the best gift a man could receive in August. It was an Xbox with a copy of Madden NFL. I looked at Lenny, who I hadn't give a, given a raise since I don't remember when, and I'm like, dude, where'd you get the money for this? And he looked back at me, and he said the phrase you never want to hear as a manager who has ignored his people. He said, I sold my nine millimeter, which got my attention totally on the spot. And then Lenny goes on to say, you've never asked me about my personal life for the entire time I worked here, so why don't I tell you now? I moved here from Denver because my mom died. She was my best friend, and when she died, I felt totally alone. So I thought I'd move to Seattle and start all over again with a new company. I've never made a friend at this company. If I died, payroll, we'll tell you, okay? I got depressed. I'm online all the time. And so I went online and searched dead mom solution, and guess what I found? I found hundreds of websites that offered to tutor me on what they call the final solution. I took a paycheck and I went and bought a beautiful chrome-plated 9 millimeter and a box of bullets. 
And I began to practice every day for the last six months. I'd go home and I'd put on Kurt Cobain and I'd eat ramen noodles. And I'd get the scar box where I kept the gun. And I'd get used to putting bullets in the gun and setting it on top of my teeth. And the last few weeks, the safety was off, dude. And I was this close. And then the other day, you freaked me out. You come into my cubicle and I don't even know you. You put your arm around me and you told me I was funny over email. You told me I turn in every project a day early and that helps you sleep at night. And then you told me, you actually said, thanks, Lenny. I'm glad you came into my life. He said, I went home that night and I listened to Soundgarden and ate my ramen noodles. And when I opened that cigar box, the light hit the chrome on that pistol and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I was scared. And then I said the words out loud that saved my life. Thanks, Lenny. I'm glad you came into my life. He said, I got up the next day and went to the pawn shop and I told them that I bought the gun for $1,000. What will you give me for it? They said, 250. And I said to myself, what am I going to do with the money? And then I realized that for months, you've been complaining on email that your financial controller, a.k.a. your wife, would not let you purchase the Xbox game, gaming system you wanted because you've got that new baby at home to feed. So Steve, for my life, this gift is for you. The power of a thank you. The soul thrives on gratitude. Your soul thrives on it, and the souls of the most important people in your life thrive on it too. Let me ask you something. Right now, who in your life needs to hear, I'm thankful that, that you're part of my life? Who needs, who needs to hear thank you for what they've done for you? Who in your life needs to know what they mean to you? A simple thank you holds so much power. And so, so here's what I want to do. When you walked in, you, uh, I think you were handed a, a blank thank you card and an envelope. Would you go ahead and, and take that out? And if you didn't get one or, or, if you, or if you need a pen, just raise your hand. We've got some people around the room that will come around and, and uh, get you one. Just go ahead and raise your hand. And uh, we're going we're gonna to pause for a moment and uh, we're going to play some music. And I'm going to give you, I'm not going to give you a long, I'm going to give you about 90 seconds, okay, uh, to write a thank you note to somebody in your life. And it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be grammatically perfect. Just express your gratitude. Think of somebody in your life that, that brings good to you. Think of somebody who has impacted you, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker, maybe somebody in your small group or somebody on your ministry team, and write down why you're grateful for them. And then, you know, after our service, you can hand it to them if they're here, or you can take it with you to work tomorrow and hand it to them if it's a coworker, or you can put it in the envelope and mail it to them if they live far away. And, you know, it may not seem like that big of a deal to you right now, but I'm telling you, I guarantee it'll lift and bless their soul. And it'll lift and bless your soul too. So let's take a moment right now and uh, let's do that. My prayer is that God will continue to grow a heart of gratitude in us and may we never forget the one who's done more for us than anyone else. God has done more for us than we could ever deserve and when we recognize that we're the ones who benefited uh, from his love and that he is, is, is the beneficiary or, or, the, or the benefactor of all the good uh, in our lives and that we are the beneficiary. I mean, it should cause us to just like that one Samaritan run back to him and just throw ourselves at his feet 
and say thank you. And so I'm going to say a prayer, and then we invite you to express, you know, your gratitude to God by sharing uh, communion as a reminder of the greatest benefit ever given in all of history. God gave his one and only son as a, as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins so that we can live now and forever. The bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood. And through communion, by sharing in this, we express our acceptance and our appreciation for this gift, that God is the benefactor and that you and I are the beneficiary. Our communion's open to anybody who receives this gift and wants to say thank you back to God. Let me, let me pray for us. God, thank you for so many blessings and benefits in our lives. Help us remember them and, and even write them down and celebrate them every day. God, help us to take Thanksgiving with us every day of the year. And God, thank you for giving us far more than anyone else, far more than we deserve. As we share communion, God, we want to remember the sacrifice Jesus made to give us the greatest benefit of all. And we want to follow the example of this one Samaritan who didn't take a blessing and run. He humbly went back to Jesus first to say thank you. And God, as we share communion, remember that, remember that you are the benefactor behind this gift. And from the depths of our heart, we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.